adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rete This Way, a cultural podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer. Uh, I am Michael D'Angelo, and as always, we have on the show Paul Lono Baloney Mangoni. Good evening, everyone. Mr. Chris Baselli. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And uh, Julian <laughs> Poulian. how's everybody doing (laughs) oh that wasn't a good one mike that's a good one (laughs) that was not good it was not damn (laughs) i think paulo likes it but he doesn't it's a love-hate relationship (laughs) i have to say i think that got probably the the most reaction of all the ones that we've done (laughs) Probably true. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, we have a fun little show for everybody today. So uh, I guess we'll get right to it. Um, we're actually going to start with our uh, European roundup. So we we had uh, some Champions League midweek and some Europa League. Uh, so why don't we start with uh, the more important ones, <laughs> Champions League. And uh, we'll go with Inter Milan. We'll start there. So Inter, um, going into match day five, they were bottom of the group, only two points. Um, Their only hope of advancing was to win out their final two games. So they had to go away to Germany against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, And I was, again, we had mentioned last week, I was finally happy to see Conte switch to the 3-5-2, and he stuck with it for this game. Um, And they're just much more sound defensively. So they came out kind of all guns blazing. They managed to... Score an early goal to go up one nothing, um, but the last ten minutes of the half or so they kind of led Gladbach back in it, and sure enough, they scored right before halftime. Um, but Inter's response was actually fantastic. They came out, Lataro hit the post early on, then Lukaku scored a nice goal, um, nice pass from Brozovic, one on one, beat the defender, and nice little shot in the opposite corner. And then the third goal was. Again, Lukaku from Hakimi through Sanchez. Um, but knowing Inter, unfortunately, that means nothing. <laughs> so Gladbach, uh, after that goal, shortly after Sanchez gave the ball away on a lazy pass, um, and Playa was in again to score his second of the game. And then the moment where I think all Inter fans thought the Champions League was done for, uh, Gladbach actually scored a third goal, but luckily, the VAR intervened and ruled that Mbolo was in an offside position and either screened Hendanovic or when he jumped out of the way of the ball at the last second, inevitably kind of made a play on the ball. Um, so it was ruled back for being offside. So Inter managed to hang on for the 3-2 win. Um, and now they go into a bit of a clusterfuck match day six. So, Pazza Inter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so going into match day six, 
They're still bottom of the group at five points. Shakhtar and Real Madrid have seven points, and Gladbach now has eight. So for Inter to advance, they need to win, and they need anything other than a draw between Madrid and Gladbach. Now for... this has Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it just has vibes of when... Uh... Paul or refresh your memory of which tournament it was, but Italy needed to win, and it was only it was Sweden uh, and Norway. And there was like a two-two draw. No, it was Sweden. Okay, so it was Euro two thousand four. Yeah, it was Sweden Denmark, I believe. Yes, that's what it was. And they needed anything other than a two-two draw, a two-two draw, and And Italy win. Yes, and lo and behold, (laughs) a two-two draw. So the only reason I'm hopeful that they won't be playing for a draw. Um, is because, I mean, all the games are played at the same time. If Shakhtar wins, they inevitably knock one of those two teams out. So for Gladbach and Madrid, I feel like they're just going to go out and try and win the game so that way they automatically advance. Um, and I've also read reports from Madrid saying that if they don't win, Zidane could actually be sacked. They don't want to scrape yeah, through the group. And, yeah, on that, like I, I've watched two of... Madrid's last league games and we know how poor they've been in Champions League but two of their last league games more recently and they also weren't good so it's not like they're on fire in in La Liga and then just shitting the bed in Champions League they've just been poor in general so I'm not surprised to hear that about Zidane yeah just a quick fun fact before we move on so this group it's a it's a disaster so Inter hold the tiebreaker over Gladbach Gladbach hold the tiebreaker over Shakhtar. <laughs> Shakhtar hold the tiebreaker over Madrid, and Madrid hold the tiebreaker over Inter. Jesus Christ. So Everybody's yeah, playing nice. Yeah, right. They're all getting along. So, so Julian, uh, I was reading today that Barella <laughs> and Vidal are injured. Yeah, so I did see that. Um, I mean, they're going to, from what I've been reading, they're going to try their best to recover Barella in time for the game, but from the sounds of it, that's not looking likely. And most reports actually have Ericsson starting. So I know he's been <laughs> kind of treated like shit the past few games, being subbed on in the 90, 90th minute, 92nd minute. Who knows? Um, but it looks like Inter are actually going to need to rely on him for this game coming forward. Because since he can play, but probably only has about half an hour in him, give or take. Um, and other than that, there's no other central midfielders. Okay, now question. If... Inter win, um, yes. and the other game ends in a draw. Inter still move into third? Yeah, so they'd qualify for the Europa League. Okay, so at least there's that, but still, obviously, they, they if, if they do win and the other game ends in a win for one of the other teams, then they're also through to the next round of 16. Yeah, they'll, they can't finish first, best they can do is second. But yeah, they win, and either a Gladbach or a Madrid win um, puts them through in second. That is promising, because again, there's, it's not like, like you said, uh, one of those teams wants to go through, right? It's not going to be like, oh, if we tie, like we're, we're whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those teams, just in case Shakhtar ends up beating uh, Inter, then one of them could be, yeah. right? Or even a tie in the Inter-Shakhtar game. Um, like I said, Shakhtar holds a tiebreaker over Madrid, so Madrid a tie doesn't really help them at that right, point. Right. So it's not so, exactly like Euro t- 2004, but it's uh, it 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 has all the, it, it, it has all the makings to be just a fantastic uh, day for anyone <laughs> who's not an Inter fan. Yes. <laughs> so wait, is that game being played uh, on Tuesday? Wednesday at three. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday at three. Okay. 
Good. Don't mark my schedule. Good. Good. <laughs> so, so. Okay, so might as well get onto this t- topic of conversation now while we're while we're talking about Inter. So, I happen to believe that Conte uh, is well within his rights to play whatever player he wants, and and for how long. <laughs> 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 this is, yeah. this is yeah. an essay. You no, and like, he's, you're right. <laughs> you're right. He can. It's One just, might believe the way he's going about it. It's not. You don't sub on a player three games in a row in the 92nd minute. You know what I mean? As a time wasting sub. If you're going to do that, throw on Renakia. Throw on anybody. Like, don't throw on Ericsson, who's. And yes, it's because it is Christian Ericsson. But. Don't disrespect the guy. Well, okay, so uh, I was I was going on Twitter and and yeah, and I was reading a lot that this is uh, Conte's mo, where where he's not uh, satisfied with the player's behavior or maybe his his training ethic. Who knows? We don't, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it's usually when he does that, it's usually a sign where he's uh, doesn't approve of this player. So. I remember he did that with Del Piero mm-hmm. in Del Piero's final season. At yes, yeah. I don't know, Mike, if you remember that, but he would come on. He would come on uh, in Syria with you know a couple minutes to go when the game was already when the game was already won. But the difference between Ericsson and Del Piero is that when Del Piero was given his chance to start games or to or to come on with a half an hour to to uh, to play, he would actually you know perform. You know he he. And make a difference exactly. He he played in in Copa Italia and essentially uh, uh, did yeah. Well and there's there's uh, uh, there was that game against Inter Milan that was a huge game for the title that year. So it's, uh... <laughs> and yeah. against Lazio as well, right? I think he didn't score so. against Lazio as well. Yeah. So so the thing is, the, the, what the issue that I have is uh, Conte is being played out to be the villain because Ericsson is being portrayed as a professional player doing his doing his job as coming on and, and respecting the manager. But we like but what, what people fail to understand is Conte has given him chances. He has played, you know, uh, at least an hour in, in a few games this season. And and our, uh, a friend of the show, Interfans, uh, during his tweets, he's saying that Erickson doesn't move around. He just, you know, uh, allows the ball to move. He doesn't show any effort when he's on the field. So that's why I don't have no problem of quote-unquote – Erickson being humiliated, whatever that means. Well, he's, he's getting appearances and probably has to come on because uh, he must have some contractual obligation for a minimal number of, of he appearances. He could, and I do, I so, mean, to an extent, I do agree. He hasn't been the player they thought he was going to be when he signed. Whenever he's played, he hasn't been, I mean, he's been on the pitch. He hasn't, again, I've said it earlier in the podcast, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been world class. So I do see your point, and I do kind of agree, especially Conte. He has his rigid 3-5-2 systems where the guys are running 90 minutes a game, and he hasn't done that. Right. So, sorry, Chris, I kind of cut you off, I think. No, 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 it's okay. I was just going to say, without knowing you know, how Ericsson is training truly, I mean, yeah, we can go off of what one beat reporter said on Twitter, but without knowing how Ericsson is actually training, and then without knowing what exactly the board is saying to Conte about Ericsson's minutes. I think it's all just, it's guesses at this point. I mean, we all have our, our opinions one way or another, but 
without knowing those two things, I don't think anybody can make a, a fair and accurate statement on on why Conte is doing that because those two things I think would influence Conte's decision significantly. So that's kind of my take on all of this is that there's just a lot of unknowns that you I would need to know before fairly answering that. And and uh, for me, I have a feeling that the Icardi situation has also played a, a, a factor in how they're responding to to Ericsson as well. You know, uh, especially especially when when Ericsson during the international break kind of complained to 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 Danish media saying that he wasn't playing enough, and then and then I think was it Marotta the week after or the day after uh, stated that. Uh, if he, if Ericsson had a problem, he could have went directly to them. So I think it was the fact that instead of talking to uh, the directors first, again we don't know. This is all guesswork based off off of public comments. Instead of talking to the directors first, went to the media and and created this friction that didn't need to happen. Yeah, no, and I I do think that is playing into it a little bit, um, but. I don't know. Regardless, at the end of the day, I think he's not an interplayer come January. Well, I guess February. Um, I still don't necessarily agree with continually subbing him on in the 92nd minute. It's it's a bit of a low blow, but whatever. It is what it is. He's going to get his chance on Wednesday to see what he can do, and we'll see if he takes it. Yeah. Personally, I think a lot of this is being overblown. I don't know that it really matters like again they they try they got him for a good deal they tried to make it work he's supposed to be a world-class player right it just doesn't seem to be clicking in this team it's literally it's not the end of the world uh although uh inter fans will have you believe that it that it has been because <laughs> i don't know why they they just feel the this you know the tiniest slight against them and they go nuts and say oh you know what woe was us right um i think <laughs> Fair enough, Julian. I think like come February, like Erickson may be gone, may well be gone, but uh, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think it's just unfortunate uh, for both sides that it just didn't work out. I think again, he's still he's going to go somewhere else and prove that he's still fine, like as a player. And Inter is going to move on as well and and continue their you know their good run of form of late. So it probably would be best for them to part ways. Yeah, I think so. And just to quickly touch on Erickson, he. Spurs fans will tell you for, I think, a good year before he even joined Inter, they said he wasn't the same player, and everybody's like, oh, he just needs to change the scenery, and he came to Inter, and it clearly hasn't worked. So, I mean, he will get another shot somewhere, but he also needs to do something for his own sake to turn it around, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I'm Inter, I'd immediately cash in – as much as possible, like as soon as possible, uh, flip Ericsson and then invest that money in signing DePaul, which they need a player who actually can play both ways, uh, defensively and offensively. And, you know, we've seen that this season from DePaul. So I hope, uh, well, as a Juventus fan, I, but again, as a neutral spectator, I hope that uh, Inter makes uh, that investment and maybe we'll see um yeah. More consistent. Well, as a good uh, host of this podcast, let's move on. Let's. Uh, <laughs> as an Inter fan, I actually agree with that. Yeah, so let's <laughs> we'll continue on in our 
uh, Champions League roundup here. So we had uh, the next game, Atlanta uh, playing uh, Midland. Uh, so actually, Midland scored first with an impressive goal. It was from their center back, and he scored a volley off a corner. Uh, and they easily scored, uh, could have scored a second goal, but it hit like off a flick, but it hit the crossbar. Uh, so then it was Atlanta to carry the play for the rest of the game, uh, which culminated in a Romero goal 10 minutes from the end. And actually, Atlanta could have won the game uh, in, in the last minutes of stoppage time, but Romero put his he- uh, header high and wide. So this is a missed opportunity for Atlanta to take advantage of the fact that Ajax lost against Liverpool. But uh, this point only allows them uh, to get a draw, a minimum of a draw against Ajax. To follow yeah, that's a good point. Team. Exactly. If if they went into uh, the next game and it was still level, it, you they would have had to have a positive result, right? At this point, like more than they would have had to at least have a win. Now at this point, again, even a draw will do it, right? Which is very favorable. Hopefully, they can hold the Ajax. I don't know. It it, it was always going to come down to this last game, right? Yeah, we mentioned it in the earlier podcast that it was going to come down to uh, the game against yeah. the IX in match day six. Just quickly, uh, shout out to the some Canadian content in that match. Uh, national team player Mandrakar James plays for Midland. And uh, I'm just looking very quickly at his background. So I knew he was from Toronto, and it says he played for North York Hearts Azzurri. Uh, who played in OISL the same year, the same years I did. So he's a year younger than us, but if he's as good as he is now at a younger age, I'm sure he was playing up here. So very good chance we played against each other. Uh, so Magikar, <laughs> if I tackled you, <laughs> if I did something to embarrass... No, I'm kidding. I'm sure he did something to embarrass me, but good to see his Canadian players playing at yes, the highest level. You'd love to see it. Uh, okay, I guess that's uh, that's a good roundup of... Um of Atalanta. So let's, uh, let's mosey on over to, uh, how about Lazio and Borussia Dortmund? Um, so Lazio again, actually got a very impressive away result at Dortmund. Um, Dortmund opened the scoring in the first half through Rafael Guerrero. Um, but Lazio, honestly, they had their chances throughout the half. Um, second half, they got, they got a penalty, it was a foul in the box. Again, it's one of those, though, where it's, we were talking about this before um, before we jumped on the podcast, whether or not penalties, fouls in the box, not necessarily near goal-scoring opportunities, should still be considered penalties, but we can spend a long time on that. <laughs> um, but regardless, it was a foul, very top at the corner of the box. Immobile scored the penalty, and game ended 1-1. So now Lazio, they go into their last game against uh, Club Brugge, only needing a result. So it is a home game for them as well. So um, they should be able to see that one through and advance into the round of 16. If Dortmund were to drop points and they win, then they would finish first in the group. Go. Okay, so I, I for one did not think Lazio would be this have this good of a chance to qualify for around the 16. So if they do qualify, uh, it's, it would be. Yeah. I think that uh, I, I always liked their chances, I think, but it, I think this has come as a um, detriment to their, their work in city. Ah, if that makes sense. Like, I think this doing well here, doing well here again, yeah, kind of fair. has put them back a little bit in the league. And I, I don't know which they're, more likely to do the best in, but uh, you know, I think they just 
wherever the cards fall, that uh, is kind of where they have to go, right? So hopefully they, they can see themselves through. Okay, just on that point, um, uh, for me, I, I think it's a, a poor mentality of, you know, complaining about the fact that uh, they don't play uh, they're not playing one game in uh, one game a week anymore. I know uh, a lot of fans last season, uh, a lot of fans that are, that is uh, complained that uh, Lotito essentially told Inzaghi to kind of you know drop out of the uh, Europa League to focus on the league, and still they didn't you know succeed in win, winning the Scudetto. You know, as a professional, I hope I hope you know as a fan watching it, I, you you'd want your club to challenge in as many competitions as possible, even though, you know, maybe they suffer uh, in the league, but that's what the, the transfer market is for, you know, especially January and the fact that you realize, okay, where's the deficiency in our squad? Let's sign some players to kind of improve, uh, improve the depth in our squad and play those players in the league when you're trying to focus on uh, the knockout stages uh, in in your yeah. competition, I mean, on the ca- the counter of that, I guess I would just say it's some teams have, uh, I guess, a different mentality, right? So I think that plays into how they attack these things. I don't know. I think Lazio not having been at this stage or whatever, or going through what was the last season? It was like two thousand ninety nine, two thousand, or something like that. Yeah. When they progressed. Yeah. I think Inzaghi, so, yeah. was the one who I think put them team. through or he was the leading goal scorer or something stupid like that when, when they went through. But I think that is, uh, again, they, they don't have that, uh, those laurels to kind of rest on to be able to, you know, draw from that experience a little bit. Right. So I think this is kind of, I don't know. I, I think it just kind of shows how they're still growing a little bit as a team. So maybe they can get to a space where, you know, they're productive on all fronts, but yeah. What, what I would add to that, Mike is yes, some clubs have a difference in mentality, but then more so a lot yeah. of clubs have a difference in their budget. And so, yes, some clubs or most clubs will go out, uh, you know, to address Paul's point and, you know, buy somebody in January, but, at the end of the day, if your budget doesn't allow for you to go and buy somebody who's at a Champions League or Europa League quality, there's really no point in bringing that player in. So I think every club has your intentions, Paulo, where they, they want to bolster the squad depth. But if, if those funds aren't there to bring in a player of the right quality, then it's not all for nothing, but it's not going to achieve what they're hoping. Paulo rebuttal quickly. <laughs> well, I mean... Then the fact, well, just look at Atlanta. Then okay, well, I'll, I'll bring Atlanta as a, as an example. Uh, no one thought that they would have any shot of repeating the success that they had last season, but yet they're still bringing in players. Uh, for example, I look at um, I think it was Castagna. They signed him from Ghent, who had who has had previous Europa League experience, and it turned out to be a good signing for them uh, before he was sold to Leicester. Um, so it, it's the fact that that they can't. To me, they can't use that as an excuse because they have. They, uh, you know, there's other clubs that has that had scouting and uh, better scouting than Lazio. So 
the fact is that they, if they can't find these players, then that's definitely on the club and not the fact that uh, they, I actually have uh, a they don't good have idea. The budget to sign the players. Bring Close back. <laughs> <laughs> and Podolski. While you're oh, I'll it. just say quickly to your point about <laughs> that. Um, I think in Leicester's actually addressed that this year with their depth. I think they made a lot of really good signings this offseason and they've. Last year, yeah, they struggled when they had to play more than once a week. Um, but this year, they seem to have depth. You know what I mean? Like, they they brought in a few good signings. We went over last podcast. Um, I think they can kind of hold their own. And just quickly to wrap up uh, the Lazio thing here. Uh, were, did, were, we, were we even talking about... No, no, it was Lazio. This was an Atalanta discussion, yeah. wasn't it? It was not okay. No, I, I I used I used Atlanta as an right, example right, right. of the fact um, that they signed players. What I would you know when they don't when they didn't have the budget. Right. What 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 I would say for Lazio is we talk about how they faltered, you know, at the end of last season, which led to you know Juve winning, but uh, COVID kind of really screwed them. Right. Like they they were a team that had a lot of momentum, whether you believe in momentum or not, and they were one of those teams that just never got going. Uh, post-COVID, or, or after the lockdown, rather. Uh, we saw it all across Europe where there were certain clubs that just couldn't get going, uh, and then some some clubs, you know, like my Milan, for example, that use that as a spark plug. Yeah, so, I knew you were going to say well, that. <laughs> that was probably most informed team since the lockdown, so I had to mention it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think uh, post-COVID, they have a very obviously um, abysmal record, right? So it, it's exactly right. it. It just kind of shows there's some, you know, they had they were having they were doing very well before that and it's just unfortunate they couldn't kind of keep that that form but that's the those are the ebbs and flows right of of um i guess growing into you know a good squad i think we saw you know we're still seeing them uh come into themselves i think a little bit like again that game against juventus not not to you know really give Juventus any credit there where they were, you know, <laughs> Lazio ended up coming back and, and stealing some points. But I, I just think that uh, is, those are things that, again, will always bring you back to that form that they had before. So hopefully, again, those things are, are going to continue to go right for Lazio because um, they have, I mean, they have a good squad of, of fun people to watch, right? Especially Immobile, you know, having such a good season last year and having a great 2020, right? You want to see that, especially as uh, as an Italian, you want to immobilize to do really well. Um, but yeah, again, it, it just it, you're just hopeful. You leave hopeful that that they can kind of find that form again. Uh, okay, let's move on to the most important uh, game of uh, the CL this week, which was uh... <laughs> <laughs> Which was Juventus <laughs> uh, against Dinamo Kiev. And of course, it's the most important because it, it, it's really going to determine if Juventus finish first in their group after having already qualified. Um, but uh, <laughs> what, what they were hoping for is a Barcelona loss. Barcelona did not lose. They won 3 nothing. Um, so Juventus needed to win in order to kind of keep up with that as well to for any chance at first in the group. And they also won three, nothing. So Chiesa scores in the 21st, uh, his first, I guess, champions league goal for Juve, uh, Ronaldo scores, of course. And, uh, Morata, who is the surprise, uh, co-capo Canadier in the, uh, or I guess golden boot. Uh, is that what it is? Golden, golden shoe, something. He's just a top scorer in, uh, 
Champions League. Golden um, <laughs> he makes it three nothing, and uh, Juve end up taking the game three nothing. Obviously, and in terms of the group, again, we also said this before. This game against Barcelona this week is probably going to determine, or will obviously determine who's who's first there. And I think that's Juve need to be gunning for that. They've had a poor showing. Um, and everywhere else, I mean, even in Europe, they have, and they just have gotten away with it a lot better. Um, they have, what is it, five or four wins and a draw and a loss against Barcelona, um, but they still have, have pulled twelve points out of those games, right? So, this is where they can kind of just. I think this is the mostly good for a confidence boost for them if they can beat Barcelona and take first in the group. Um, but they would need to do it, I think, by a significant margin, right? They need to win more than two nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my first question is because if they win, then they're tied on head to head with Barca and then obviously tied on points. But I think Barca, well, I know Barca yeah. scored more goals against Kiev and Ferenc Varos than Juve right. has. So I think it might need to be more than three. So I don't know what exactly the yeah, tiebreaker is. Is it head to head and it has to? So, yeah, it's head-to-head over the two matches. So, Barca won the first one. It was 2 nothing. 2 nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so Juve need to do better than 2 nothing. So, 3 nothing, basically. Oh, so yeah. the tiebreaker is head-to-head, obviously, points, and then it's yeah, goal differential I remember last within year, that head-to-head? Inter ah, okay. Dortmund last year? Yeah. They would have – they were – they had the tiebreaker over Dortmund based on that, but still wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny whether that's the tiebreaker. I, I trust Julian with my life, so I assume that's uh, – <laughs> But, uh, yeah, because if, if it's other than that, like Barcelona have a significantly better uh, differential. They're like plus 14, whereas Juve are plus 7. Um, but, yeah, if if Juve come away with a 3-0 uh, victory, I think that's that's big for them because, again, they, they need to show some dominance. They're still a quality team but they've just been playing like shit. So they need to, uh, you know, do something here. And, and uh, if they do great, if not, then they better start playing well in the league to, you know, find some confidence going into the round of 16, because they're going to have a tougher opponent. So I just want to point out that I uh, appreciated Kaze's uh, uh, performance in this game. I thought uh, well, came, he's coming into his own. Uh, we're kind of, um, I was hoping, and also, uh, the fact that Ronaldo scored his 50th goal, as you mentioned, more importantly, historically, there was a, I mentioned it, but there was a female, uh, referee in this game. And I think that's, uh, I I can't speak enough Mm -hmm. about how excited I am to see that because that's, it, it was so easy to do and it it just it's very enlightening that they actually took the time and did that and and made that happen because uh there's no reason why um there couldn't have been a woman referee uh you know in the game in any game here in Champions League so uh, again I think just kudos to um them for making it happen it should have happened sooner Paulo sorry finish your point yeah agreed Uh, well, no, I just wanted to point out that, uh, well, especially in this game, is that Chiesa played well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this continues. Um, he continues his, his run of form, and hopefully, hopefully, he starts uh, against Barcelona as well. And I was reading today that Buffon might get the nodding goal as well. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's because uh, Chesney. Um, That's I, Sir I Chesney. Like a couple games in a row, so I think they want to give him a break. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Before we move on to champ- yes. or from sure. Champions League, I just want to say I think it would actually be awesome if all four Italian teams managed to advance. Yeah. I don't remember when the last time that actually happened. Honestly, it would be pretty phenomenal. Um, but. That being said, it would be uh, fantastic <laughs> if Inter just shit the bed and because fuck that. That's why I started laughing. You knew what was coming. Well, wasn't, World War Two, I, I think. Say the last time that happened <laughs> was when no, wasn't it when um, Milan won in Milan Derby when the semifinals was. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Milan right. Derby, then you this was the against Real Madrid, was the other semifinal, that, yeah. right? Mm. I know. I gotta look. I, I gotta look that up. Yeah, but I feel like that was like the most. Uh, so that was Italian three teams in the knockout in the stage for a while. Order finals. Uh, those three, obviously. Um, I don't know if there was a fourth that didn't make it. Doesn't look like it. You idiot. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I was close, but I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe that there hasn't been. You we'll know, have to ask off to Paul off. in the round of sixteen before. Well, for keep in yeah. mind, up until a couple of years ago, we only ever had three teams. Not only, but right. for a while, we were only getting three teams in the championship. It's, uh, it's forty thousand points to Chris. There, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, that's it for Champions League. Let's move into Europa League, and we can just brush over some of these scores here. The, the first one, Milan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a 4-2 finish but it was 2-0 Celtic early and Julian I was sympathizing with you because of uh, Inter's ship performance the other week against Madrid but yeah it was 2-0 Celtic very early on and it looked like uh, Diego Laxalt was going to get the last laugh there playing his owners currently uh, and it looked like he was going to help save Neil Lennon's job but uh, yeah, this no, is- he already got sacked, remember? no he was on the bench for this game was it? I thought he got. I thought he got sacked. No, he was on the bench for this game. Resacked? Huh. Interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought, Paulo. Oh no! Now I know where I am. <laughs> on on the first goal. So sorry. Just back very quickly. So the starting lineup did not include Tonali, and there had been essentially a trend where Tonali was starting the Europa League matches. For some reason, Krunich started, and of course, awful giveaway on his part led to Celtic's first goal. It was a gift a play I know Tonali wouldn't have made. Uh, frustrating nonetheless. I hope they learn from that mistake and don't start him in those types of games. But moving on, uh, Paulo's favorite Turkish player, Chalanoglu, did score a nice free kick in the 23rd. Um, Castilejo scored. And then uh, Hauge and Diaz also scored the third and fourth goals for Milan. So that secured a spot in the next round for Milan. The Issue per se now is whether they're going to finish first or second. They are still behind Lille. Um, so we're Milan's hoping, obviously, that Celtic can steal some points from Lille on match day six. And obviously, Milan would have to beat uh, Sparta Prague to finish first because we all know that um, finishing first gets you most likely uh, a, a matchup in the next round against another Europa League team versus a Champions League dropout. Okay, so to correct my previous statement was that he was rumored to get sacked 
before they played uh, yeah. Milan. And, and yeah, Europa that's League. correct. Rumored. Yeah. And then, like I said, yeah. after that start, you thought they were he was going to keep his job. But uh, they... W- well, I, I just read that. I just read that the board gave him another vote of confidence. I don't know how many vote of confidence they're going <laughs> to keep giving him. But didn't he get you shot know, in uh, Strawberry we'll, Fields? We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sakes, Mike, John Lennon. Uh, Chris, I remember texting you during this uh, game, and uh, yeah, Milan seemed very beatable in this game. Obviously, being down two nothing, right? But. It's uh, mm-hmm. good for them. Seriously, they, they yeah. <laughs> these are the games, again, we've talked about this in the past as well, where, you know, if you're going to be a champion of anything in any in your league or in these tournaments, you need to be able to pull out games where you're playing like garbage and you need to be able to come away with three points. And they did this year. Yeah, I, I will give credit to Pioli in this one because I think it's very easy when you go down 2-0 to a team you should be beating, really. And you start to panic, and maybe you make a tactical change just to mix it up. He didn't make any changes in the first half. He saw it through. He was calm. He did make a change at half for Krunich, who I met, talked about earlier. But, yeah, good on Milan for coming back. They were much more open defensively than I would have liked, but it also led to getting four goals on the other end. So You can play any way you want. High-risk, high-reward type game. Okay. I did kind of go on a bit of a retweet spree after the – Krunich giveaway. Just I remember when Inter signed Barella, Milan signed Krunich that same summer. There was yeah. a bunch of Milan Twitter saying Krunich <laughs> was a better player. So I kind of had to rub that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I'm with you. I, I don't know which universe those Milan fans are from that think Krunich is better than Barella, but we'll give them the um, before we move on, was this another derby of, uh, let's see here. Yeah, it was the Kyer Iyer Derby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Derby. And the Laxalt Derby. <laughs> well, actually, um, Iyer was one of the center backs that Milan was rumored to sign in the summer, and perhaps they're still interested. Yep. So maybe, <laughs> you know, they actually got to, got to see him up front because, you know, the last time, Milan, uh, you know, saw uh, <laughs> faced a team that was impressed with the player. They signed him. So we'll hey, he scored a nice again. goal against Celtic. I didn't really talk about it, but he, he did. He, nice did. Goal, he so did. Yeah, he did. Money well spent. Yeah. Was that the one when he came off the yeah, wing? Right? Yeah, good wingman. And then finished yeah. with his right foot. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice goal. Okay, yeah. good. Fuck him. All right, um, that's it. That's it for uh, Milan Celtic. Move on to young boys. So <laughs> Roma, young boys, I think I've been reviewing Roma for a few weeks now. And the trend I'm noticing, having watched the game too, is they're rotating the squad quite a bit. And so kudos to Fonseca for having confidence in his squad depth. And it, it's paying off. Um, young boys did go ahead. It was a long ball over Cristante, who was oddly enough playing center back. Uh, so yeah, young boys went ahead early. Mayoral tied it up and... I just noticed we don't do a uh, European oh, goal of the week. Eh? We're just doing Serie A goal of the week. Um, anyways, what, what, brought, what brought it up was uh, Roma Youth Academy product, Ricardo Calafiori scored a screamer. And I, I texted you guys about this as soon as it went in because it was, it was a really, really nice goal. And just got me thinking that we should do a European goal of the week from one of the Serie A teams, obviously. But yeah, very nice goal to put Roma ahead. Uh, Nonno Jekko came on a bit later to make it 3-1. And then uh, there was a red card late in the game. 
Mictarian flopped. I, I won't even I won't sugarcoat it. It was a flop, but Kamada also swung at him, so it, it would have been a red regardless. But I still hate seeing players when they get brushed and then flop to the ground like uh, they got pumped with, you know, a shotgun. So either way, good win for Roma. They win the group, which is significant because this week against Cheska Sofia, they can send the water boy and the kit man to play because the, the game means nothing for them. So they can rest anybody yeah. who uh, has a nick and needs that recovery. So Kyle Furrier will probably play again. Yeah, I mean, he's 18. Paulo <laughs> so and I are also available. And he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they might as well play. Yeah, I don't guys. think my knees could take it. Okay, let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, the final uh, European game this week for Italian squads was Napoli against uh, AZ Alkmaar. Mertens opened the scoring for Napoli just after five minutes. Uh, he actually had a couple other chances to, um, to score his second, but failed to finish. And then it was Azat Akmar uh, in the second half as uh, Bruno's Martins Indy tied it up off a corner. Uh, he went, it went in off a deflection. Uh, Ospina saved a PK as well. And uh, Gattuso was right in saying that they definitely could have lost this game uh, because of how bad they played in the second half. Uh, so uh, the game ended one-one, and Napoli played Real Sociedad. And yeah, so I they're at ten points, point uh, and two and three are both at eight points. So they uh, basically, I think Real Sociedad is technically in second there, um, and they play them next, right? So it's it really uh, it will depend on exactly if they get a draw, uh, then that yeah. secures them. Yeah. Yeah, they secure at least minimum second with a draw. One thing I will say quickly about Napoli, and I, I'm, I, I like Napoli. I want Napoli to do well, and I, I want Gattuso to do well. But what I am noticing is a trend that started to come up with Milan, which is that, you know, he he finds success with a certain, you know, tactic, a certain formation, but then doesn't adjust. And I, I, I worry that Napoli's falling into a bit of that rut. I've just. I find them very consistent over the past three or four weeks. Mm. One brilliant performance followed by mediocre and then rinse and repeat. So I hope him and his staff come up with some sort of plan. I'm not saying he has to overhaul the roster and overhaul the formation, but there's just little tweaks here and there that I think all the good managers make from week to week to keep their opponents um, on their toes and to keep, you know, make it unpredictable. So I, I worry again, just based on recent performances that, Napoli's falling into that hole, but obviously I hope uh, this week... Is it Rijeka they're playing, Paul, you said? Oh, Sociedad. No, they're playing Real Sociedad. Yeah, sorry. So, more than anything, I think they would need to come up with something against Sociedad to get the result they need. Well, didn't... uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, because I I didn't look at the rest of the scores, but didn't Rijeka beat Sociedad or they tied them? Yeah, I think they pulled the point, though. I don't think they beat them. Yeah. Okay, so they... Yeah. That's a massive point, and 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 definitely saved you know Napoli some yeah. blushes from from drawing. Either Alkmaar one one as well, and it goes to show you too if they did beat Alkmaar and Rijeka draws, then you know a lot of their headaches are gone. Yeah, they qualified. Yeah, so it, it was yeah exactly. But that's why that's why Gattuso said that they were lucky to even you know get a yep. point because they easily could have lost yeah. that game if it wasn't well, without. They need to rely on the green <laughs> The green. Well, but the thing is, is that you 
you, you, as Chris said, you can't only rely on no, Green no. Grinta is, is no. Chris said you can't rely on one tactic. Ta- uh, Grinta and tactic are different. Line. <laughs> I sure fine. I'll I'll, I'll I'll concede that. But what I what I mean is that you have to use the Grinta in combination with the, with with uh, the you know tinkering of tactics to keep your 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 opponents guessing, as Chris said. But for me, is Listen, that they're Grinta just going to come is, out with forks in their socks and stab the opposing that. players in the legs. <laughs> it's, not, it's not enough. That's a nod to uh, uh, the book where he revealed that Gattuso uh, didn't he try to stab him with a fork. He stabbed apparently multiple players yeah, with the fork. Yeah, yeah. He was just free. No, he did. Yeah. And then yeah. and, I and to I... add to that, there were multiple <laughs> Milan players who had to miss a game and they quoted it on the official injury report. It was like a muscle injury, but it was because Gattuso that is stabbed mean. them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, wait. I, okay. While we're on the Gattuso subject, I think uh, there was a, a quote this week um, saying that uh, asked his players if they wanted mm. to play like him, and he and he responded, "No, or else I won't play them." So I mean, it shows that uh, you know he's, okay. he's evolving as a manager. Which is really <laughs> but I, I, I thought I thought it was just a fascinating quote because we're talking about how you know he was stabbing players in, in the legs. So I mean, I mean so uh, he's he's evolving as a as a person as well. And the fact that he wouldn't play he has some compassion has the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's just interesting to, yeah. uh, to see. Uh, uh, okay, well that's uh, that's a great way to uh, end our European segment. So why don't we take a break here? Uh, we'll we'll listen to a word from our sponsors quickly, and then we'll uh, we'll be right back, and we'll jump into Syria. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Rated This Way is brought to you by Bapu's Cucina Italiana, located in the heart of Manitic. A family-owned and operated Italian restaurant, the perfect spot for a romantic dinner for two or for groups to celebrate special events. For more information, visit babuscucina.ca. Welcome back to Rated This Way. All right, let's uh, let's get into our review of uh, the latest match day. What match day ten? Is that where we're at? I think so. It's a very good question. Yeah, it match, is, yeah 10. match day ten. Yeah. Thank you, Julian. <laughs> Why well, we pay him? We pay Julian. We pay. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're going to start with obviously the first game on Saturday, uh, which was Spezia Lazio. All right, so uh, Lazio won this game two one. Um, Immobile scored the first goal after Spezia gave up the ball, lost possession in midfield. Uh, Lazio took a two nothing lead with a Milinkovic Savage free kick, which was really nice. And then Enzola uh, scored a nice goal to uh, pull one back for uh, for Spezia. Uh, again, as a neutral in this game, uh, I was kind of disappointed with the provincial mentality from uh, from Lazio. Mm-hmm. He kind of just sat back on the counter and just you know picked off uh, Spezia uh, uh, when they made made mistakes in possession. I get that you know they won the game and they probably set up the way they uh, they did to win the game. But again, you know you're playing Spezia, a team who has never been in Syria, and you're sitting back and was just kind of disappointed 
uh, to see how uh, how Lazio set up for this game. Uh, credit to Spezia. I thought they played uh, exceptionally well, even though they lost. Uh, they definitely brought the game to Lazio. Uh, and, the, and because Lazio took that mentality of sitting back, uh, and they were again uh, punished by their inexperience playing uh, playing against bigger bigger squads. Uh, yeah, I want I want to touch on both teams quickly. So with Spezia, I think we've all mentioned this you know week after week now is that even when Spezia does lose or drop points, they're they're in it and they're competitive. And you can see they they had a plan and they were able to execute it for the most part. So I think that we we can agree that happened here again against Lazio. Regarding how Lazio played. Uh, I could, I could see how you know yourself or you know Lazio fans are probably you know disappointed with the you know more reserved approach. But what I what I will say, and I'll tie it back into my knock on Gattuso right now, which is those little you know tinks uh, tinkering with your tactics, and that's exactly what Inzaghi did. I don't think anybody you know I'll say I did not expect Lazio to come out that way at all. And I would be surprised if Vincenzo Italiano wasn't expecting that from Lazio. But then good on Inzaghi for throwing Spezia a curveball. Uh, he looks even better because he got the win. But those are the types of things that I think Gattuso needs to learn from. And if it means playing, you know, I'm, I'm using air quotes, a boring game, but you get the result, then then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. That's what, that's what your fans want. That's what the board wants. So... Yes, it was more boring. Yes, it was a bit more negative, but it worked. And at the end of the day, that's what—that's really what matters the most. Okay, uh, can I jump in here? Uh, I just want to point out the fact that we're talking about Lazio, how in the last segment, uh, saying that you know they have to adapt playing uh, twice a week. So this is when, after this game, is when Inzaghi uh, was quoted saying, "Oh, it's not—you know—it's very different playing two games a week." Well. And and the, the the thing that that kind of bothered me was that you know this was after a game where you just sat back and and, and allowed Spezza to kind of control possession and didn't really do much except for pop up with two, uh, with a free kick goal and then a counter counter attack goal from from a mobile. So it's kind of again for me it's just frustrating to see uh, a a team that you know purports itself to be uh, challenging for Europe playing in such a way where. You know, you would expect a side like Kieva when they were still in Syria to, to, to play. Yeah, fair enough. I, I wasn't, as, yeah, I wasn't taking Inzaghi's comments into perspective. I was really just looking at his decision to play the way they did and what came of it. And, and that's three points. So we'll, we'll see. I would assume he's able to play a strong lineup this week in Champions League and play in a bit more positive way. But I was just supporting his decision to to do that. Now, if that becomes a trend for Lazio, then I think I would start to get on him a little bit. But if it's a a one off or curveball here and there, good on him. Well, again, as a pragmatic point of view, like you know, a real like a realist point of view as well, in the sense that yes, they got the three points, good on them, move on. But you know, again, as uh, perhaps a Lazio fan who wanted to see. Uh, their their squad, you know, be be more positive. Maybe Julian, you can talk to your to your Lazio uh, friend of the show and see what he thinks. In the sense that, uh, for me, I was just disappointed, you know, seeing Lazio just sitting back and picking off a, a Spezza team who, in my opinion, deserved a draw. For sure, but it's. I mean, I feel like teams go through that throughout the year. Inter last week, for example, I think they like they beat Sassuolo, but they had thirty five percent possession. I think so. It's it seems to be 
I don't know if it's a trend this year with the bigger teams, but they mm-hmm. do what they need to do to win, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll be uh, the level-headed one, uh, as always. I think I am very level-headed here. <laughs> that's what we paid. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's right. Everyone, actually, I said only Julian was getting paid. We're all getting paid except for Paulo. <laughs> um but Lasso, uh i think they're like damned if you do damned if you don't right like if they had uh gone all out and embarrassed spezia you know they take the chance that you know sure i'm sure they'll win but again maybe they set themselves up for failure midweek right it it's for the for them i think again if they do this and and they come away with the win then that's fine they they had minimal effort and they were able to kind of take those points and move on right but if they did this and it didn't work then that's kind of then then that's the issue um but they happen it you know works out they they get an early lead they don't need to press anymore right paulo so i mean it's it, it's they're doing what's necessary not what is beautiful like uh but but they didn't they didn't but Mike they didn't press all game like literally I, but they was, didn't uh, I understand Paul but they didn't need to right they had yeah. two they they got two goals they, they you know they did literally what they had to do to get the points and they're moving on right yeah I, and again like I said I, I you know Craig Tunzagi got the three points but again I I was just disappointed that a club like Lazio that you know thinks of himself to be a big club uh, and plays a plays a game like that against a team who has never played in Serie A. Before. I'm curious if do Lazio fans think of think of themselves as like a big club in Italy? They're definitely a club. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, 100%. Yes, yes. I, I like. Is that our poll yeah. this week? <laughs> Lazio fans, do you guys think you're big? Want to break cultural Twitter? I mean, I think they'd think they're a bigger club, but I don't. I wouldn't think they classify themselves on the level with Inter, Juve, and Milan. Yeah. Well, they, they well they they're nick okay, their their slogan is the first team in the capital. So I think that's Yeah, but do we itself. consider Roma a big club? That's the other question. Good good point. That yeah, I mean I think we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, that that could be a whole that could be a whole <laughs> podcast <laughs> on its own is, is tearing <laughs> off Serie okay. A but... break. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you during Christmas as well? We got the- regardless. They got the points. I think that's yeah. all they care about at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's a good point. Good, good uh, jump off point. To the- <laughs> that's right. Let's uh, move on to um, uh, Derby. What the? Yeah, yeah Juventus Torino. Okay, so yeah, let me let me compose myself here. Um, <laughs> that was. A shit first half. That was a fucking garbage first half, might I say. In particular, Bernucci, who, again, off a corner, failed to mark Nkulu when it was literally his job to mark him. Uh, the game changed when McKinney uh, came on the field and provided energy and, Mike, your favorite mm-hmm. word, Grinta. And then, as always, so he, he popped up uh, with a header to, to tie it up after Balotti scored. Oh, sorry, Nkulu scored off the corner. My mistake. Nkulu scored off the corner where Bernucci failed to mark him. McKinney scored off a, he- uh, a header after he came on the field. And then, as always, when Benucci has a shit <laughs> game, somehow, some- magically, somehow, a pops up with a header. And totally redeems himself. <laughs> and, and to- exactly. Totally redeems himself. Makes makes fans forget about his shit performance for 90, like 90 <clears throat> minutes of the game. Uh, and, and then we move on and talk about how 
you know, Bonucci might still a- be able to start for events, even though he's fucking got off. <sighs> but anyway, uh, a good way to sum up this game was there was no offensive fluidity. And I was talking to a friend of mine in Italy, and he said all they did was put in two crosses all game. Like, he was right. He was completely right. Like, they didn't do anything for 75 minutes, and they put in two crosses, and they're able to turn the result on its head. So, again, it goes back to uh, what we talked about Lazio before, saying that, you know, they, they, they didn't play well, uh, but they managed to do what they had to do. It got the result. And is like they were celebrating like they won a, won a trophy after the end of the game, even though it was. Yeah, but it's because it's a before. derby, right? So you're more excited when that kind of stuff happens, right? You're, the emotions are up. Um, I personally, I, I know I was just very kind to Lazio in, uh, in terms of, you know, they did what they had to do and, and that was it, the bare minimum. Um, Juventus don't like, I feel like they can't afford to do that because they have higher expectations because they have such a good squad. A result like this is fine, but it's in no way uh, acceptable still. (laughs) Like they got their three points. So great. But like, you're right. They didn't play for three quarters of the game. And then, uh, I mean, again, you have Benucci leading leading them uh, and he fucks up on the, on the goal. He, uh, also fucks up on a quadrado goal that could have tied it up, but he's in the fucking middle of the box, uh, just yeah. jumping into defenders so that it, he's interfering with the fucking play. And then again, at least he totally redeemed himself by scoring by also being in the fucking middle of the box when <laughs> uh, a central defender. Which again, he scores, so at least there's that. But still, like they, he, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to blame him for everything always, but I think like, again, Juventus don't get the same uh, treatment from me that I gave to Lazio because I expect more from them, not because I'm a fan of them, but because they need to prove more than Lazio does. Michael, I will say I didn't go back and watch that, uh, the VAR disallowed goal. And I have changed my mind once again. again. I don't, <laughs> actually think he's in the wrong on that one he's not necessarily in the play he's not doing anything the ball just kind of happens to cross him and the defender kind of so yes and no and and you're right again i that's how i saw it originally as well and i would still again probably default to that but it's similar to the inter third goal against inter in the champions league game right so it it's there is the play somewhat there yeah, I mean, if, again, if this, if this, if that didn't count, then this shouldn't count either, right? So at least there's consistency there in terms of soccer. I know it's not like Europe, it's Europe versus Italy, but I think at least that juju of there's consistency there is nice for me. Um, uh, at least, at least yeah, that rule yeah. is consistent. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's but go. hey, Julian, I'll take that. That's the first leeway <laughs> that Julian's given you into uh, <laughs> I will say, Chris, your favorite player missed a glorious one-on-one opportunity with Sir Chesney. Yes, oh, yeah. I was pissed off about that. that he scored and that, that yeah, made it and 2-0, 2-0 right? that's a completely different game. Yeah. Well, no, it's Zaza. Who's that? Oh, uh, Zaza. Oh, God. Yeah. What, what I will say quickly, um, just before we move on, and I, I know when you lose, you know, it's hard to, you know, be positive about anything, but... Giampaolo did finally change, or he has, he is changing from that four diamond two formation to a three five two, and Torino has been putting in better performances. 
and I've I, one change he made that I liked was putting Ricardo Rodriguez as the left-sided center back. Um, for anybody who's watched Chelsea when Conte was there, he put Azpilicueta, who was traditionally a fullback, as the right-sided center back. So it offers a lot of flexibility with that player being able to push on. And obviously, he trusts Rodriguez enough to defend as a left-sided center back. So I know it sucks they didn't even get a point out of it, but it looks like they're trending in the right direction. We'll see if, uh, what's his name, Urbano Cairo is patient enough to let him stay for another month or two. Yeah, we'll see. I think there's, uh, again, just the season that they're that Torino are having, it's a little unfortunate. They sit in the relegation zone right now. Um, so I think, yeah, he, he's got probably a shorter runway than um, your list would uh, would, <laughs> would have suggested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's uh, move on to uh, Inter uh, versus Bologna. So this, I think, is kind of as routine as you can get for Inter. Um, they scored the opening goal. Um, sorry, I've already kind of forgotten this one. I believe it was through Lukaku. Yeah. Um, and then they went on to score the second one uh, right before halftime. Actually, very, very nice through ball from Brozovic through to Hakimi. Um, and he finished it very nicely. Now, Bologna did get one back through Kievo Wonderkid Vignato, um, but Inter shortly after that restored the lead through a second Hakimi goal. Um, so it was nice to see Hakimi get involved. Inter did go on to win 3-1. to one. Um, Finally, nice to see Hakimi get involved and look like the player he's supposed to be. Um, and hopefully he can kind of continue that run of form because he can be a huge help to Inter. He needs to start more games. I mean, I can't remember the last time he started consecutive Serie A games anyway. He, yeah, and yeah, I do agree to your point. Um, <laughs> the issue is, as weird as it's going to sound, whenever Darmian's played, he's been quite good. So it's kind of hard to... Did, okay, didn't I say on this show, on this podcast, uh, early, in the early episode that Darmian was You did. I didn't think he was going to be, but yeah, he called that one. Yeah. Because he added depth and yeah. experience, and that's what Inter needs. Well, I'll put aside the call. <laughs> yeah, that would didn't work. make any sense. But like, yeah, the was. Darman one was. A good um, but time. yeah, that's why he did struggle a little bit. So Conte kind of went with the hot hand for a few games, which is why Darmian was playing. Um, but I mean, Hakimi looked good. I think he's one of the players they need to get him. They need to play the ball to his feet, kind of play it ahead of him, let him run onto it. That's when he's his most dangerous. Um, so if they can kind of figure that out, then I think he can be a huge, huge help this season. Uh, Chris, do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. So I think this could be a potential tactical breakdown <laughs> with Chris Baselli material. So um, I don't know if you if you guys saw the video with uh, Mahalovic saying that uh, someone was in, in in their club was giving away information. Mm. About about their uh, their lineups before the games, uh, so he and and he was asked a question saying that he changed his, his tactics during training, and he wanted to, and he used that the change of tactics to figure out if there was a rat in uh, in in the team. So, uh, my question to you is that the, the change in formation because uh, the previous game against Crotone they played it with a four man D, uh, in this uh, in this game against Inter they played uh, with a three man D. Do you mm-hmm. think that that change in formation is what cost them, uh, what, what led to the bad performance? 
Uh, I think it'd be hard to blame it just on that. I mean, I, I didn't catch the whole game, but Inter looked like they were doing what they needed to do. Um, yeah, I think it's hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty. You know, if they win the game, you can say, you know, the formation did it. If you lose it, it's easy to blame it on the formation as well. So hard to say, and it's tough if you're Mihailovic if you know that information's getting leaked because then now you're worried about, you know, who can you tell and what do you tell them, but. I hope for his sake he's able to figure out who he can trust within his own coaching staff or, God forbid, it's a player, whatever the case is. Well, but... So, so that, that's, that's what he, I think that's what he, was, what he was alluding to, that it, it was potentially could be a player because they might, uh, it might be the fact that, um, that, uh, that a player is using this opportunity to uh, get an, an extra half half a mark in their in their uh, vote in their votes for the following day so and then and he, and then he came out the, after the game saying I guess quote I guess the uh, changes didn't really work or the players didn't understand the changes that I made yeah I think in general though too anytime there's last minute tactical changes it, it's going to be difficult for players of any level to soak that information in and, and apply it at a high level so unfortunate situation Right. Okay, we're good to move on. I think so. Yeah. Good. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. Up. So the that was it for um, uh, I guess what is that Saturday's games, um, and we're moving into Sunday's game, and we'll start off with uh, Hellas Verona, Paul, or Julian's second favorite team. Hellas Verona. Because um, <laughs> they have a few inter players on loan. <laughs> That's right. Uh, playing Cagliari, and uh, the game ends 1-1. How's Verona coming off a uh, great victory over Atalanta, a 2-0 victory, uh, are looking to, you know, make it two in a row, but uh, they, they score the first goal, the opening goal in the 21st, uh, Zaccagni, uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, in the second half, Cagliari tie it. Um, Marine ties it in the 48th minute, so it, it ends 1-1, uh, and... He, there's, it's kind of a stalemate there, I guess. Uh, Calgary don't really um, make up any more room. This is probably a team where they, they want to be ahead of at the end of the season, but Hellas Rona, again, are having a, a pretty decent season. They sit in eighth, I think, at, at this point. So uh, it's, it, at least they've Hellas Rona are able to kind of maintain uh, a positive pace here. Um, but uh, it ends 1-1. Any other notes, guys? I, I I thought it was impressive that um, Di Francesco is because we, we all thought that Di Francesco would kind of flop this year for for Cagliari. So for me, I'm I'm impressed in the fact that he's kind of bring this team, which you know lost uh, some good players uh, in the to kind of mid table. So I'm I'm really enjoying the fact that they're kind of you know holding their own in Syria. And and one one point about Hellas before moving on is again I'm I'm also appreciating the fact that um, I said it last week as well that they lost players they found uh, youth players to kind of fill those holes and Zakangi is is really coming into his own um, as as a as a starting player. They need to bring back uh, Halfordson. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, legend. And Ice Iceland legend. 
Icelandic legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, then let's uh, let's move on to uh, the next game, which is Parma Benevento. Um, Julian's favorite, uh, third favorite team, Parma. Is that? <laughs> no, they. No. 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 Uh, it ends zero zero. Um, Benevento get another points, which is great for their um, them wanting to stay up uh, in the league. Um, so again, just another stalemate. They this is good for them. I think probably not as great for Parma, who kind of want to make up some room on the the teams who are above them in the table, but. Um, it seemed like, yeah, I mean, Parma seemed to be having a good game. It, they just couldn't kind of connect on a lot of the things here. They were kind of dominant in the first half, too. But, uh, again, end 0-0, and, and that's it. So it's just uh, – So uh, before, uh, before you jump in, uh, I, I think uh, – if I remember correctly, Parma did give Inter some – Yeah, in the yeah season, you know, 2-2 two, two draw. <laughs> yeah so uh and and they played uh they played decently well against benevento i think they just they were just missing that goal uh and and were able to kind of hit benevento on, uh, as well on the counterattack because i know Filippo and zaghi likes uh to play possession in, in a very offensive game um i think milan should not underestimate parman uh next week uh because they're 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 Especially if you just take the game against Inter as evidence, uh, Gervinho looks like that. He's able to still uh, play on the counterattack and able to kind of pop in with the goal. So I, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm Milan, I would not underestimate Bayern right. next week. But if I'm Milan and I want Milan to lose personally, I will <laughs> underestimate them. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, okay, let's move into Roma Sassuolo. So this game, it ended 0-0, but it was actually quite entertaining um, game to watch. So Pedro got sent off in about the 40th minute. Um, two yellow cards. The first one, he kind of got a high boot up on Berardi. Uh, second one stopped a counterattack, so they were both kind of deserved. Um, now, Roma did actually score a goal before half that was called back from the VAR due to a foul on one of the Sassuolo defenders. Now, I don't know. It was a bit of a weird play. Dzeko was kind of sent through, um, laid it off for Cristante, I believe it was, who was one-on-one with the keeper, who then tried to lay it back across the box for Mkhitaryan. Um, now, when Mkhitaryan went to go kick the ball, I believe he fouled the defender. So the goal was ruled out. Fonseca got a red card on that goal being ruled out. Um so I believe that means they also have their assistant coach for the next game. Um, so the second half, Sassuolo actually scored a goal as well, which then got called back for offside. Very nice goal if it would have stood. Um, and then Obiang goes into a tackle on, uh, I think it was Pellegrini again, actually, late, catches him, studs on the ankle, and only gets a yellow. Now this one, I do think it should have been a red, even though... I think VAR reviewed it. To me, in my opinion, it was a red. It was late, studs on the ankle. Pellegrini actually had to be subbed off because he was hurt afterwards. Um, and then later on in the 83rd minute, uh, Spinazzola goes to cross the ball in, and it hits a Sassuolo defender in the hand. No penalty on the play. 
game ultimately ends 0-0. So there was its fair share of controversy. Um, I did go back and look at the penalty. I, it's one of those that's gray. It could have been given. I can see why it wasn't given as well. Um, but I do still think Obiang should have been sent off. Yeah, I think Sundays are bad for VAR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. We'll, okay, we'll get into follow up for a rant. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's um, not uh, waste any time here. Paulo, you have a tactical breakdown for Udinese Atlanta, I believe. Yes, the fact that it was right. called off, or yes, right. called Postponed. off. So sure. let's move on to <laughs> great analysis. That's what we've done. <laughs> move on. Yeah, they go uh, rain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, Crotone Napoli. Paul. So I really enjoy this game. I I, uh, I watched the game. Uh, really spend opened... your Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I really wanted to watch this game. I thought Napoli would uh, would play well, and they definitely did. Uh, and Singe opened the scoring. Yes, it is. Uh, with, I believe is our Napoli in vantaggio a Crotone. Insigne, gran gol della sua mattonella. È rientrato dalla sinistra, calciato a rientrare con il destro e pallone sul secondo palo. Imparabile per Cordaz. Trentesimo trascorso da 40 secondi. Crotone 0, Napoli 1. Gol. Played forward by Di Lorenzo. Lovely nutmeg. Sialinski to go away from one player now. Insigne. Insigne cuts in. Insigne! Super goal! He's done it again! Lorenzo Insigne gives Napoli the lead. He's scored a few crackers already this season, and now he's added another one to his collection. Very, very neat goal. Um, and I will say, I just like watching these highlights because they're also wearing their uh, Argentine-inspired jerseys. So mwah, it's also a chef kiss to, uh, to Napoli this week. Uh, so with that goal, uh, Napoli, I believe, have the second most goals in Europe yeah. from outside the box, which is a quite impressive stat. Uh, only only Bayern Munich has more goals than Napoli. So there was uh, one real chance for Cortona before they uh, they got a red card. And after that, they're out of the game. They're down to 10. Uh, and then this is where Napoli turned on the style. Uh, they got goals from Lozano, Deme, and Patanga. Uh, Deme, the goal from Deme was uh, quite a collector's item because he only has this, – this was his fourth career goal that he's ever scored at the, at the highest level. And I really enjoyed the fact that uh, Patanga scored a goal because he, with his performance uh, in, the, in that game, uh, deserved his goal at the end. Um, so Napoli is now tied on points with Juventus barring the uh, appeal that they need for, uh, of course, Michael, you know the result. Um, uh, Deme also, this is his fourth career goal, but he's, this is his second goal this year. So he's on a, he's on a tear. He scored against Rijeka, I think. Yeah. And there, yeah, Paul, did you mention the red card? Okay, yes, they yeah. did. Yeah, they, uh, the fact that they got a red card, and it was to so to um, uh, Julian's point about uh, Roma Sassuolo, it was literally the kind of the, the exact same thing. It was uh, studs up, hit the ankle, 
uh, VAR actually reviewed it and correctly sent off the Cretona player because it was a high tackle. His, his studs are showing, and it was a red card. So, again, the which will continue on in the uh, following game after this. I don't want to mention it yet. The fact that there was just su- such inconsistency with VAR, the the quality of the actual refing decision. VAR fanculo. Put a stain on this whole weekend. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, just quickly on, on Petania, I, and I know you mentioned he scored, but he should have had one. I think it was the between yeah. the 15th and 20th minute around there. And those are the goals for me. Like I know you're high on him and you know, good for him for scoring. But if he's going to take that step into for us to consider him and you know for Calcio to consider him you know, a top Serie A striker and maybe even challenge Osman, he has to score those goals. Like it was, and for those that haven't seen it, he's, I think, between the PK spot and the edge of the six-yard box, just for spacing context, in on goal. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much puts it right at the keeper. I don't want to take anything away from the goalkeeper because he still had to make the save, but... He has to score it's, those, in my uh, opinion. Yeah, and, and that's been always his. Sorry, Mike, but that's been his always his problem uh, as well uh, when he was at Atalanta. Uh, the fact that um, he was inconsistent in front of goal. So maybe that <laughs> training with Christian Bobo? has not helped. Bobo. <laughs> Bobo. Bobo. Uh, no, I was just saying it's former Milan um, youth player, I believe, Patania. Yes, correct. And even on his goal, the goalkeeper got a hand to it. It wasn't. It's okay. Michael's favorite player is an excellent youth player. I don't. I don't want to shit on the guy. That's Mattia Destro, Michael. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's move on um, uh, to the uh, most important game for Milan this so far this early season against Sampdoria. So, Mike, you alluded to. uh, Apollo, an incoming Apollo rant. I will skip, not skip past. I'll quickly summarize. It, it finished 2-1 for Milan. There was a, a PK, which Kessie buried. Uh, Castilejo's first touch of the game was, was a goal. And then Sam did score in the 82nd to claw back and make it 2-1. But uh, the rant, I'm assuming Paul is about to go on. So Milan's first goal, it was, as I mentioned, a, a penalty kick. And it was a handball. I will say this, okay? Do I like the rule? No, I hate it. I think it's bullshit. I, I think it's it makes it very difficult to defend, especially in those scramble situations. Was it the right call under the current rules? Yes, I agree with that. Okay, um, I get he's not. I get he's not looking. I get. I, I I know he had zero intentions of playing the ball. And actually, today I was watching Southampton and Brighton or some other farmers farmers club there, and the ex- and the exact <laughs> same thing happened, uh, and, and it was called. And I I feel bad. I think it was James Ward Prowse. I feel bad for him, but that's the way the rule is written, and that's the way it has to be called. So I know you're going to rant probably if, about Mark Kulo, If I know Paulo, Paulo will say that I think he'll agree though that it was a penalty, <laughs> and I think he'll say again with his current rule, he will agree with it. Uh, he also doesn't like it, but I think his his grievance is later on in the game. Paulo, yeah, that, yeah. So, Mike, you are correct in your uh, <laughs> in, in your assessment. Uh, but what? Okay, so before getting on getting on to that that call was I, I truly appreciated how uh, Sampdoria defended, uh, kept Milan at bay for 
40 minutes of the first half and then kind of just like fell apart uh, right before the penalty. I think was it um, Tanali cleared the ball off the line. Sorry, not Tanali. Was it T- yeah Tanali? Tanali cleared the ball yeah. off the line uh, before that before that penalty. Uh, again, it was just it was unfortunate. Okay, because it, Sam didn't deserve that penalty to be called. Okay, I'll just I'll leave it at that. What I the problem that I had was the fact that Calvarezzi was calling. Um, all game, and the fact that Romagnoli threw an elbow in the box against someone's head, and it wasn't fucking called. That is, and it wasn't. He didn't go to VAR for fuck's sakes. And it was a blatant elbow to the head, and he was calling that out uh, like um, the rest of the game uh, outside the box. As soon as the uh, as soon as it's in the box, nothing, nothing, which is utter bullshit. Because the fact that if he was calling the consistently outside the box, uh, how come it wasn't called in the box? For and it, Mike, it goes back to mm-hmm. the the Benevento game. Remember when the lake was pulled in the box? Same thing. If those are called outside the box, then they have to be called inside the box. Period. Look, what's frustrating? Hold on. What's uh, before before you continue, Chris? I'm starting to agree with a theory. Okay. It's it's a well not it's a crackpot theory because it'll never happen. Penalties should be removed and only implemented when it's a clear goal scoring chance uh, from a striker. When a striker is about to take a shot is when a penalty should be given. When it's um, for example the the handball going back to the handball, you the the that the handball did not have any significance towards a scoring opportunity. If that's the case, it should be an indirect free kick, like, like for example, when a defender passes the ball back and the goalie picks it up like a back pass. It should be uh, um, played as, as such, not as a penalty shot when you're uh, uh, at the edge of the box and not even influence a, a goal-scoring opportunity yet, and you get a free shot on net, uh, which 95% of the time leads to a goal. With the problem, again... From jumping from that, the problem that I have with the fact that uh, VAR did not intervene and give Sampdoria a penalty shot uh, is, is to me a failure, uh, uh, the, mo- the most blatant failure of this weekend. It was a clear yeah. elbow to the fucking head. What was Romagnoli trying to do? He, what he was he in the act of doing? No, no, no. What was he in the act of doing? Fucking sh- no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If he called it, if Calvarez had called it in in uh, in midfield, okay, and called it in the fact, even though he was jumping, okay, Gabia took a fucking elbow to the head. Sampdoria got a uh, uh, got a foul for it. Okay, it was the same thing, same thing. The the player was jumping. I think it was Thorsby jumped. Okay, and 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 caught him, caught Gabby in the face. It was the same thing. It was a foul. But but then Roller was jumping. It hit him in the head. It's a it's a fucking penalty. The foul in the box, the penalty shot. Period. So, by your logic, you're saying VAR needs to go and review that and give a pen. Uh, I don't love Matteo Bonetti, but there's clearly a screenshot of Candreva grabbing Tonali's hair and pulling on it. Should VAR go back and look at that and say, Candreva, you get a red for pulling on on his hair? Then we're gonna review everything. Hold on, hold on. It wasn't number one. It wasn't pulling his hair. He kind of like you know you know when uh, (laughs) an adult disciplines a child and he kind of pulls on his ear. When you need DePaul to go and slap him again. That's exactly what it was. Okay. Yeah. Sure. He shouldn't have done. It. I don't think. I don't think another a grown man needs to pull another grown man's ear. For 
first of all, he's not a fucking grown man. He's 19. It doesn't matter. And the fact he's that he was, wasting, but... he was wasting time. He was wasting. He knew he was wasting well, time. Well, I was going to say. He picked up the ball. Yes, Chris. Okay, they should. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Why the fuck not? If there's <laughs> if there's an assault, then there should be some sort of justice, right? So, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Assault. No, I will assaulting a minor. Um, I wanna I wanna know just again. I wanna um, fuel some more fires here before uh, Paulo calms down. Um, Rebic also I found should have had at least a yellow card and possibly I don't know. Just he should have had something because I think it's in the first half he gets a ball in. And there's a, the ball is like almost going to cross the line. Uh, Sam get like a goal line clearance, but he's like grabbing the defender. And that's so, that's just bullshit. Why the fuck don't they like, yeah, yeah. they, I don't even think, did they call it as whatever? Like, I think they didn't, I think they just let it go because eventually the ball goes out. But like, that's the kind of bullshit that like, no. what the fuck's happening right now? If that happened in the Juventus game, you know how much, you so, know how fucking much Inter Milan fans and and AC Milan fans would be complaining if that was delayed doing that. Oh my! Or sorry, if there was a, an attacker doing that, it would be. Oh my God! There, we would not hear the fucking end to it. So you're right. You wouldn't hear the end to it. <laughs> but uh, so I, I'll agree though. I, I know the, exactly the player talking about, and probably should have been a yellow in, in reality. I. Uh, I think the only reason he gets away with it is because it's an attacker doing it at the goal line and it goes out for a goal kick, I think it was. If it was the other way around, like if it was a defender doing that to an attacker, then I think you see the card. Or if it's at midfield and it breaks up a counterattack, you guys you guys see where I'm going, then I think you see it. I think because the, the significance of the tackle was essentially, it, it was nothing. It didn't lead to anything. It didn't prevent anything. I think that's the only thing that saved them. I think but that, I do that agree just there should have been a yellow opinion. for that. Like, I think that's just shitty. I mean, Rebic it always does that. So there's like, he could have, he could fu- finish the season with, yeah. you know, 30 yellow cards. So, I mean, it's just that's the way he plays. But again, he needs to be uh, held accountable for some bullshit. <laughs> Julian? Paulo, to jump in. Okay, so jumping on your rant as much as yeah go ahead we don't like to admit it there are unwritten rules in soccer there's fouls that are called outside the box that aren't called in the box it happens game in game out Mm -hmm. it's the way it is they're unwritten rules yeah but that's so fucking stupid but no because then everything in the box would be a penalty fucking four no because it yeah, then it's going to look like American football where the where the game takes 4 hours but there's only, you know, 30 minutes of gameplay. Uh, I don't want there to be I don't want injury time to be plus 9 every game because they they spent 8 it's, minutes I reviewing every single foul. It's weird. It's not how it should be, but it is realistically. There's unwritten rules and VAR, I I will admit like VAR needs to get better and I don't think anybody will say VAR is good the way it is, but I don't know if if going and reviewing every potential contentious foul is the way to go. I think a lot of what casual sports fans like about, you know, soccer is that you can sit down for 45 or 90 minutes and just watch the game play. Whereas if you're watching American football or, you know, basketball, where in the last five minutes it takes half an hour, it's just super slow. So um, I think flow is, uh, is a popular part of an attractive part of the game and, you'll lose a lot of that if you start going and just applying VAR to everything. 
No, but the, the thing is here is that it was a hel- elbow to the head, okay? A clear elbow to the head. And in the box, which is a, a penalty situation, which VAR is, has a, every right to intervene, and re- for some reason did not intervene. We don't know why, because the fact that, A, there's no uh, transparency when it comes to refereeing decisions uh, in Italy and perhaps even in Europe. Uh, the fact that uh, there's no, again, there's no consistency in the way the rules ha- have been applied. For example, I, I, I mentioned in the Na- in the Napoli game where Cotorni got a red for a studs up, but in the Roma game, it was almost the exact same play and Obiang did not get a red card. I mean, these have substantial effects on, um, on the final final table. You know, just uh, I, I was discussing with you on the weekend, you know, these those two results, Milan, Sampdoria and Roma, uh, uh, Sassuolo benefited Milan. And the fact that VAR did not intervene in both cases helped Milan. So and then but, but then but God forbid, God forbid Juventus, uh, as Mike said, OK, uh, get, does something like this. The whole the whole world, uh, uh, you know. Uh, let's loose on, on Juventus fans and on Juventus, how they bought the referees, how Agnelli is going, uh, running down into yes. the locker room, uh, you know, uh, complaining to the ref. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. The fact that both these uh, events benefited Milan, and, it, and it's quite shameful, to be honest with you, the fact that uh, uh, Rizzoli, uh, not, yeah, Rizzoli did not come out because he's the refer- referee designator, did not come out and say, okay, well, we made a mistake. Uh, rules were not applied consistently and will do better. No, the thing is that if he does not come out and either changes uh, changes the way VAR is applied, because in Italy they they, they can do their own rules, uh, he should be he should he should resign as referee designator. I, I mean, this is this is getting to um, yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with that, and I think and it's just for you, Paulo. It's augmented because again, this is very detrimental to uh, Juventus's title hopes, which is what your where your passion comes from. Again, I <laughs> as as a neutral Juventino, I like to see myself as. Um, I think it just it is it's it is stupid that again these things just persist, and and we just have to accept that they're you know. That that's that's the that, you know there's unwritten rules whatever I think that's just that's a lazy um, that's just I mean it's also classic Italian to to just be like oh. <laughs> so yeah I in I will say this though Paulo this month is going to be huge for Milan maybe we'll see some you know a, some maybe you can have a little bit more hope for your season because uh, Milan plays Sassuolo, they play Lazio, and then in uh, less than a month, on the 6th of January, they play Juventus. So if Juventus can steal those points, and if they lose any other points, great for Juve. Milan, if not, Chris, if they win all these games, which they need to, I think, hope hope to do, uh, they're, they're going to set themselves up very well uh, for the tail end of the season. That's it for me on this one. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's finish off with um, Monday's game, Fiorentina uh, Genoa. So Paulo and I, we had 
certain interest in this game, some financial interest, but um, it, it wasn't the most exciting game. It finished 1-1, and the first of those two goals was in the 89th minute, a goal for, by Piazza. Uh, so you think Genoa was going to run away with it and get the much-needed three points, only for uh, Fiorentina centre-back Milenkovic, who scores in the 98th to draw it uh, and make it 1-1. I do have to add that uh, Mad Max, Allegri's doppelganger, a.k.a. Jack Bonaventura, he did score before Piazza's goal, uh, but it was it was speaking of VAR, Paulo, it did get called back. I don't know what Bonaventura was doing. He's he's making a sprint from about 30 yards out to get into the box, and it was a good run, but just a, a two-hand like football shove to the defender that was marking him. And so obviously VAR went back, saw that shove, which would have been a foul if the ref saw that goal got called back. So... It's unfortunate for Genoa because these are the types of games that they, you know, they did well to stay in it until the 89th minute. They got the goal they needed, but then they couldn't hang on. So, you know, A, if they get relegated, it's games like these they're going to look back on and say, shit, like we should have done better. And then B, it's games like this mm-hmm. that will get uh, Rolando Maran sacked. And Paulo, I know you sent me something earlier with a rumored replacement. Do you, do you have that or do you remember who that was? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> right, Mr. Two Seven Two, or that's actually the uh, top of the class. Two Seven Two doesn't Monta work. To but... you, Paulo, don't laugh at him. He did better, <laughs> he did better than Pulo in his uh, coaching class. For, for what? What? <laughs> on his on his thesis, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Eden Chris in the stands. Uh, listen, event is what is Piaget uh, doing? <laughs> there you go. Oh, hold on. Uh, before before you move in uh, uh, or move on, um, yes. So going back to the inconsistent application of VAR on uh, Genoa's goal, uh, Chris, you were yeah. watching the game. Did you think Valero was fouled in the lead up to? Yeah, goal? again, I did. I, I'm not sure how if VAR goes back and how far back do they go and what do they look at. But yeah, I thought there was a foul there. I didn't see much on Twitter about that afterwards, so I don't know if the rest of cultural Twitter agrees with us, but I would. I thought it was a foul. Yeah, it, it, well, it was kind of the same situation with the Bonavent Couture goal that was yeah. called back, right? Bonavent Couture wasn't even in the box yet when, when that yeah. foul happened. It was kind of, for me, it was the same situation. Like, well, Valera was fouled, uh, definitely was fouled because he was, he was yeah. pushed off the ball. But again, Bar doesn't intervene. Because there was an inconsistent application of the rule. If you are looking at that and you call Bonaventura foul, it was the exact same thing that happened. Uh, Bolero was pushed off the ball, okay, and that led to the uh, counterattack that that led to Genoa's goal. For me, again, it's just a failure of of of, of consistency. And with, uh, by, I just have a quick equation, question for Chris um, on Bonaventura's disallowed goal. They call it back, obviously, which maybe is punishment enough. But again, for that stupid tackle, why isn't that a yellow card? I I don't know if that warrants a yellow. I mean, it's it's an it's aggressive. Um, I think if that was Bonaventura running back towards his own goal, and and that shove breaks up a counterattack, then I think you have to give a yellow and. Kind of going back to what Julian said about unwritten rules and some being a foul and some not being. 
I think just because of where it was on the pitch, I think the ref settled for a regular foul. That being said, Mike, if it was a yellow, I don't think Fiorentina could complain either. So it's one of those uh, six of one, half a dozen of another. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's it for for that match. Pissed off I didn't win my parlay, though. (laughs) Well, you know, pissed off that we we could have got a correct score for our uh, our uh, podcast result. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but it was destroyed in you know, the, in the pizza. Fucking piazza. Uh, okay, so just uh, a quick uh, <laughs> summation of the table again. Milan remain on first uh, in first with uh, twenty six points and five ahead of Inter for second. Um, Napoli and Juve are tied at, uh, for third at twenty points. Uh, then Sassuolo with uh, 19 and fifth, uh, Roma with 18 and sixth, Lazio 17 seventh, uh, and Verona are eighth with 16 points. Um, in the relegation zone, again, we have Torino with six points, Genoa with six points, and Crotone, lowly Crotone with two points. Um, and at uh, after 10 match days, um, and Ibra hasn't even played 10 games, I think, and he has 10 goals. Um, he's our capo so far. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has eight goals, and Lukaku also on eight goals uh, for the top of that uh, top scorer table. Um, okay, I think that kind of wraps up our city uh, ad hoc. Is that confirmed, everybody? I just want to ask one of Crotone's two points was against Juve, correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. So, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> The other I'm one was against on, Torino. I'm that so on a loop. They, they do well uh, against German-based teams. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll see on Wednesday when uh, when Inter <laughs> shit their pants. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, why don't we take a quick break here, and we'll uh, after the break. Why don't we go into uh, just quickly uh, the World Cup uh, group, which was drawn uh, this week. Uh, Syria B minute, uh, and uh, then we'll uh, say goodbye. Maybe with a song. Maybe we'll sing something nice and jovial. Um, Paulo, get uh, get working on on writing what song we're gonna do. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, okay, so we're uh, almost done. Let's uh, wrap up the show with a little bit of World Cup um, talk, I guess. Uh, we're, we're still obviously a year and a half out, but uh, actually, no, it would be two years because I think Qatar is going to be in the winter months, um, the latter winter months of 2022, I believe. Uh, what, yeah, yes. so what do we have with uh, the World Cup? Some news. Just just before I I list out Italy's group, I have to admit, guys, I was nervous watching the draw because of how our last World Cup qualifying campaign went a la Ventura. So I, I was nervous just because I, I didn't want shit to hit the fan and me be worried about them qualifying. But the good news is Italy should be qualifying with ease. Uh, they're in Group C with Switzerland, Northern Ireland, Bulgaria, and Lithuania. Again, no disrespect to any any of those countries, but Switzerland's the only one there that should give any trouble whatsoever. I would still expect us to beat Switzerland, and realistically, we should be going undefeated during qualifying. What do you guys think? 
Well, I, I completely agree with your assessment, Chris. Uh, Switzerland is definitely is the one with uh, you know the most talent in in terms of uh, players playing at, at the highest level. Uh, I was extremely pleased that we like, avoided a like away trip to like Andorra or <laughs> Faroe Islands. So I mean, at least it's like a manageable flight to uh, Vilnius, um, if I pronounce the Lithuanian capital city correctly. If we, I don't know, but, uh, and again, yes, um, yes. Uh, to Northern Ireland, playing uh, at Windsor Park, we'll see if uh, you know crowds are allowed to return. Uh, if not, which is better for, for Italy because Windsor Park is a notorious uh, stadium to go play when it's uh, full of fans. Yeah, the so, or sorry, Julian, Mike, did you have any other comments on uh, Italy's group? Um, not really. I think again, it's you're right. Like Switzerland is probably the other uh, quality team in there. There's, um, I think. Italy has a really good shot, obviously, of going through. I don't think we, like you said, we need to worry. I would just uh, still be wary of um, what what they do from here on out. Because again, you want to obviously you want to qualify, and and it's a long road to to there. But um, you have to worry about again. There's things in between there. There's the Euros. There's the nation Nations League final. So I'm not sure if that's going to complicate things for them. Uh, just in the first half of this qualifying, but uh, again, I think it, they're probably in um, pretty good uh, a pretty good situation. I think as are uh, Spain and uh, France and Belgium, just because again, there's less of um, I think there's just because they're in that Nations League final, there's a little bit of a difference in how they're playing these. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so uh, they went, when they did the draw, the four teams that are in the Nation League semifinals were actually placed in the groups that are only have five teams because they are playing right. those extra games. There you go. So it's, it's definitely a, a benefit uh, for Italy to only be playing, uh, you know, to play one less game against, uh, you know. Two less. Two less. Equal, two less, away. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two less games. Instead of you know go, again going to San Marino, playing a game against San Marino when yeah, you don't exactly. really have to. Yeah, Jordan, what about you? I mean, I think you guys have kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, they should definitely pass through this group with ease. Uh, there's no way we should have a repeat of 2016. I think we're way past those days now, though. So that's always on the bright side of things. Hey. Everybody knock on wood, though. <laughs> We've lived through it once, and everyone will live through it again. No, definitely um, But, yeah, no, uh, I think I'll... we're – it's a fairly – it's a good draw, I think, in my opinion. So, Agreed, yeah. J- just quickly before we move on, lo- looking through the groups, they're all pretty straightforward, to be honest. There's, you know, a, a powerhouse country, whether it's France, Belgium, Spain, Portugal, followed by, you know, a, a Tier 2 country, if I can call them that, so – your, you know, Turkeys, your Polands, your Swedens of the world. Uh, the one group that'll be interesting is Group D. So it's it's France's group. I think, you know, everybody will pick France to win the group. But there's Ukraine, Finland, and Bosnia. I could see any one of those three going through. Of course, Ukraine would be the favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bosnia or Finland went through. So that should be interesting, uh, especially as they get towards the the last. Yeah, which is interesting because Bosnia kind of had a shitty. Uh, I guess Nations League, but 
but they but but that's it. They they actually have like a good squad. So I was surprised to see how shittily they did. But yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, there was you know in ill opportune you know COVID infections with Pjanic, and then it was and then it was Zacho. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate yeah. how um, you know their nationally campaign went. But yeah, if they do have a full full squad um then yeah they're they're definitely all i know is that i'm uh on team poland and possibly team i don't know andorra i guess uh group i and uh (laughs) i'd like to see england not make the world cup this year (laughs) that'd be amazing uh so by the way the first three games are going to be played in march so i believe that's when the next international break is so uh thank god that there's no international breaks for the rest of the year and a good part of Yay. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, if that's it for um, the World Cup uh, pre pre preview pre World Cup preview, um, I think that's kind of it for the show. So why don't we wrap up things, uh, Paula, with a Serie B minute? But I'll give you a little bit longer because I think you got a lot. Yeah, so uh, might as well discuss uh, Balotelli uh, signing for Monza. Uh, you know, I again, um, I think Galliani stated the best that it, this is definitely Balotelli's last chance to succeed uh, by playing at a club level. So, I mean, hopefully they do well because I think uh, in re- in reality Monza did need another signing um, when your best attacking threat is Kevin Prince Boateng. Uh, Balotelli will definitely help. Um, I don't know. Would you guys want to just comment uh, quickly on on the signing? For for me, I, I would agree in part with with regards to it being his last opportunity. I would just add it's his last opportunity at uh, one of the big five or six European countries and one of their leagues. I'm sure there's going to be you know a Chinese club or a Qatari club that'll throw money at him, but last opportunity in a I hate to use this word, but in a country that has a, a relevant league, <laughs> including Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hey, great for Monza. They're uh, they're reaping the benefits of having um, that that ownership, right? So that's exciting for them. I think um, being able to pull in drawn names again, Balotelli. I've always, I mean, I've been uh, a fan on the national level for him for for a while, anyways. So I mean especially after, what was it, Euro 2012? Uh, yeah, so that's I mean, that's... Germany. Um, I, I always wish he kind of had a little bit more success elsewhere. I'm glad that it, he um, was able to, I guess, find himself a little bit more. I think he had some, you know, some troubles, and, and I, I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe he's he's a little bit more humble in some of his things that he does now. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if you, <laughs> you I don't know if you watch Italian TV, but he made an ass he of did. On, uh, on, on Italian television. <laughs> yeah. It's not like him. <laughs> anyway, I, I think there's uh I'm hopeful there is hope for him yet. I think Monza is a great place for him because he's gonna be insulated um a little bit being with um Berlusconi and Galliani there. So I think we'll see what happens after this. Maybe he'll be in Serie A next season. 
Julian? I don't know. I'm as much as I hate to say, because I had really high hopes for the guy. I'm over Balotelli. He's never going to amount to anything at this point. I mean, the guy's almost 30 now. He might even be 30. I don't yeah. really know. Um, I gave up after last year, to be honest, after Brescia. I thought that was really his last ditch effort, and now he's popping up in Serie B. I don't think it works out as much as I'd like it to, but hey, we'll see. Well, I, well, definitely with this signing, because uh, we'll get into the uh, standings right after this, but uh, Munza's hovering around ninth position, which is which is pretty good for a recently promoted team from Serie C, you know, uh, put uh, all things being equal, even though they have the uh, ownership from Berlusconi and Galliani. But the thing is, with this Bel- uh, with this Balotelli signing, this was definitely helped them to propel in- into those playoff spots. Which even even getting to those playoff spots this season, their first season being up, should be considered a success for. Uh, yeah, and I'd, again, Galliani. I'd like to see them get through because that's just so fun. I want to see the Derby della Bunga Bunga next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I keep forgetting Gabriel Paletta's there. Yes, he is. He, and he's, and he, he's actually playing not bad either. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of Monza games, and he's been pretty solid, for again, for a Serie B level. Yeah. Uh, okay, so other news is that, uh, speaking about Brescia, Julian, uh, Diego Lopez has been sacked by Brescia, and he's been replaced by Davide Dionigi. Uh, so getting on to uh, scores... Uh, Michael, our beloved Pescara, won nothing against Ascoli. So uh, uh, the first win, uh, first uh, so the second win this season, and the first win under new coach Roberto Breda. Uh, again, for our Frosinone fan, they won three two against Cable. Uh, actually, a comeback win against Cable. That was a pretty entertaining game to watch. Um, Lecce tied Venezia two two. Spal beat Pisa four nothing, and Reggiana beat uh, you know Monza three nothing. So again. Uh, very important signing for Monza to kind of, you know, continue that push into the playoff spots. Uh, so, again, with the top eight, Salernitana with 23 points, Spal with 21 points, Lecce with 19 points, Empoli with 19 points, Frozenone with 19 points, Venezia with 18 points, Cittadella with 14 points, and Kieva with 14 points. And again, Pescara with seven with uh, at seven and only two points out from the non play uh, play out spots because in Italy, as uh, we all know, there's uh, the bottom three get rele- relegated directly into Serie C and then the or Serie C uh, and then the uh, fourth and sort of fifth and fourth place from the bottom uh, play a two legged uh, tournament. Uh, yeah, I knew that. I don't know if those guys knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Okay. <laughs> and that is my Serie B minute. It was well more than a minute because we discussed Balotelli. Good. But yeah. Um, I think that wraps up the show today. Um, do you guys have any last uh, orders of business before we close out? It's a good show. I think, um, do we talk about uh, Davies might be back this week as well? Um, right. So a little Canadian nod out to there. So he was, uh, what was, he was out with, he had. I think he sprained his yeah. ankle. 
It was an so ankle he went injury back yeah, this week. Nasty. So uh, we're hoping so. He was also, uh, I believe, nominated for the Lou Marsh Award. Was he not? Yeah, he was. I think he he. He was, and he, he did also win the uh, Canadian Men's National Team Player of the Year. I don't think right. it was a surprise for anyone, yeah. but he did win that. Okay, so for our, our American viewers, the Lou Marsh Award is... Yeah, and he, um, he's up against some, um, some notable, uh, I guess, other candidates. There's um, Jamal Murray as well in NBA. Um, uh, what's the NFLer's name? Duvernay. Yeah. I forget his first name. Chase Claypool? No, uh, yeah, the oh, line Chiefs. Duvernay yeah. Tardif? So, yeah. He's not even yeah, one this year, though. But he won a Super Bowl yeah. in 2020. Exactly. Yeah. And then he went to – he Fair went. He, he didn't play this year to go battle COVID, right? So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. A hero, yeah. But uh, uh, I don't know. I think Alfonso Davies has a really good um, inside track here. I think there's – uh, much to be said about what he did last year, uh, what Bayern did last year, and how he was able to contribute to that. Um, uh, I wish him the best. I hope that there's um, there is a successful bid for him. Um, yeah, I think again, it could it, it could go a lot of different ways here, obviously, but uh, I think again, he probably has a really good chance. I'm hopeful. Good. Yeah, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think so too. Again, just the stage he's he was on, that just the way he performed, he's uh, uh, yeah. I, there's not much more that can be said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, Paulo, nothing. Okay. No, I'm um, good. Thanks everybody for listening. That uh, wraps up our show. Um, I guess uh, we'll be back in about a week's time with another episode. But until then, uh, you stay classy, Calcio Twitter. And um, make sure to uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, we are on the Twitter at uh, Rete This Way and on Instagram at RTW Calcio. Um, so please share us. And uh, hey, actually, shout out to. Um, who, we we won uh, we won couch or Twitter this this week, did we? Yes, yes. last week with with the uh, the, the consent, uh, consent, <laughs> yes, that's right. Tweet. That's right. So let's uh, shout out to City <laughs> Sit Down. They do a uh, fun thing every week. They say who won couch or Twitter, and we are the champions this week um, with our Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> See. If 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 that uh, Christian Eriksen meme didn't come out, uh, we would have won with our tweet about uh, Allegri returning. Yeah, possibly, uh, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I think Pretty that sure, was a good candidate. I think just for yourself, I, I thought that was a good tweet, Paulo. Was, so let me break that down on a comic, comedic level. Um, that's a callback from earlier in the season when uh, we posted the same thing about uh, him replacing Antonio Conte, right, going into Inter HQ. So I'll I'll give you that. I think uh, you have the chops, Paulo. I think you you have, you can go far in this uh, this league. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Um, you still are not getting paid. So, and then... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the it's like the unpaid. Yes, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, and that that's another callback. So you see how easy that was, Paulo. You need to just insert a little bit more of those to. Uh, 
more um, <laughs> maybe credence in your uh, your position here. Okay, enough bullshit. Have a great night, everybody. Uh, we'll we'll see you all next um, next episode. Bye.